you admit you're eating solenoids? Yeah, so what if I am? Look at the body they got yeah, me. and look at what it's costing you. Caroline doesn't want to be with you. Your family thinks you're psycho. And I've just about had it with you touching my jacket. Thanks for the lecture, Mom. Now get me out of here. Mm, and now. What? I'm going to leave you stuck there. At least until the solenoids wear off. to another very special episode of the A to Z Horrorcast. So special. This is the creatively titled podcast brought to you by us over at adzhorror.com and by the Phantom Podcast Network. Now, today's episode is very special. In what way, Jake? What are we doing today? Well, we have an interview, Jack, from your guys' recent escapade over to the Idaho Horror Film Festival. Indeed we do. Um, yeah. Uh, sitting to my right is Jake, who just uh, gave you that little yeah. tidbit. Sitting next hey, to Jake is uh, another guy. It's Mark. Hello! And Mark, you and I had the privilege of sitting down with uh, one of the first Final Girls, um, one of the original Scream Queens, Adrienne King. Trailblazer, Adrienne King. Yes. No, I think her most noteworthy achievement is uh, recipient of the Ed Horror Film Festival's uh, inaugural Trailblazer Award. Honestly, I think her most noteworthy achievement is sitting through a half hour with you clowns. Look, not a lot of people can do it. Trailblazing. <laughs> yeah. It's a valid point. She trailblazed in life and she trailblazed there too so stay tuned because uh, mark and i jake you weren't there no unfortunately. I was not. no yeah uh but you know honestly i think mark I, c- I can say this truthfully it didn't really matter that we were there adrian king is enough of a fucking professional that she kind of just did the whole interview herself absolutely we just kind yeah. of real yeah. class act i will say this although we're recording on a single mic in an echoey room uh, bear with us just a little bit. She has some. She has some interesting tidbits to say. Yeah, it I, it isn't the best audio setup in the world, but I do think it was worth it. So check it out. Here it comes. Hi, so Adrian, thank you so much for being here with us today. We really appreciate it. It's my pleasure, and your city in Boise and the Egyptian theater is a knockout. Loving it. Absolutely. It's pretty terrific. I think we wanted to start by asking you a couple of questions about Friday the 13th. Seems the natural place to start. Yeah. Yeah. What better day than Saturday the 14th? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Do you have a favorite scene shooting Friday the 13th or a difficult scene, anything like that? Well, yeah. Um, difficult or favorite? <laughs> favorite, favorite. Uh, probably the snake scene. Yeah? It, well, uh, of course, uh, not the killing of the snake, but the actual uh, improv. That was all improv with the kids. Uh, uh, Kevin and... Oh, my goodness. What's, I'm blanking out on Janine. Janine Taylor was hysterical. Uh, well, guess what we're having for dinner tonight, you know. Um, but that's the the kit, uh, the casting of, of the young counselors uh, was fabulous because we were all, we got along so well. And it was just kids hanging out, having a good time. You could really put yourself in that whole situation. And Harry Crosby, it was just a lot of fun, you know, with the pillows and the feathers. And it just all evolved 
And uh, yeah, that was a great, great scene. We had a lot of fun. You said yesterday the whole film took about 30 days to shoot. Yeah. Uh, did you guys know each other at all, or did the did all of that kind of develop? Just you just showed up on set and yeah. instantaneous friendships, just like that. Yeah, the first day actually when we got to. The... <laughs> There's an air show happening. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so good to know. <laughs> I get worried when I hear jet planes flying over like that. We're very safe. Good. 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 You know, um, I like horror films, but. Let's keep it to the screen. To yeah. the screen, yeah, exactly. yes, exactly. Uh, so where were we? Uh, what was the next question? What was it like meeting your, your fellow castmates, I guess? Oh, okay, sure. So uh, the first day when we got to uh, shoot, we actually had to meet in New York City. We're all, we all lived in New York City. And we got to meet each other that first morning. I think it was probably 6 a.m. at the old Paramount. Uh, where the, the Paramount building was on Columbus Circle. I remember it so well. Uh, everybody just piled into a minivan and we drove up there and that's how we first met. And we got out and that first day, because you know independent, low budgets, you just, you don't sit around. We, already, we started shooting right that afternoon, the beach scene. Oh wow. Yeah. So uh, we, right from the start, we just had a good time. You know. did, did you shoot the whole movie uh, linearly in order? Yeah, yeah, pretty much so, uh, which was very, very helpful because it built up, uh, you know, the angst and the suspense sure. and uh, the drama for me. It was uh, it was so much easier for me um, to really get into the fact that I know these people, I love these people, and they're missing. Where are they? And uh, yeah, it was shot in sequence, except for the fact that the. The final sequence in the canoe, uh, the dream sequence, or the, the, the boat, the canoe sequence, sure. was shot three times. And the wow. first time, it was nice and warm with one camera. <laughs> it was lovely. And then Sean decided he had this vision of what it was going to look like on the screen. So he said, "I," and he, this is something that I was very unusual that ah. Uh, as a young actress and incredible now because ever since then it's never happened. I just took it for granted it was the way it was. Uh, I was allowed to see the dailies with the director and the producer and that was such a gift because uh, I got to learn from that. You know, a lot of directors, when I ask them now, can I see your dailies? <laughs> well, you know, I'll show them to you later. It's like, hello, the dailies mean daily. <laughs> I'd like to see what we've got in the... But uh, yeah, uh, directors are somewhat reticent. This was a wonderful director who was very giving to his actors and let them improv. You know, he trusted in us. He cast so well that uh, we, we knew what we were doing and he let us go with it, which is so unusual. Um, also, the fact that uh, as a group, we got to know each other slowly. It played into the characters, yeah, sure. and you know, by the time we were in the kitchen with the scene with the dead, the bulb, the dim light, and the the generator, and uh, the you know, the whole uh, kitchen scene with it, we we were really getting along, and I think that really plays. Yeah. I think uh, you you really connect with each and every one of the counselors, uh, and know what they're about, and each one you know, they ticked off the. The cute kid, the crazy kid, the 
you know, the, <laughs> the, <laughs> right? And then there's sexy girl and, you know, and then the artist, a little off-center girl and, yes. But, uh, no, that first day on the beach, it was warm and then, uh, and then the canoe was, uh, the water was warm and then we saved up after seeing the dailies. Uh, Sean said, we need two cameras. So that was a couple of weeks, going back to the investors saying we need more money. Um, we got the money, two cameras, and looked at the dailies again, and there was still something missing. Where it's an amazing thing to have that in your brain, and he trusted that and uh, said, no, 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 it's not quite right. And that's why this last scene really holds up and still packs a punch to this day is that three camera shoot uh, with the slow motion camera going simultaneously. And by the time we got that, it was mid-October. So you'll notice in the background, mm -hmm. the leaves are changing color and fall is supposed to be early summer. But it- well, it's a dream sequence, so I mean. <laughs> was it? <laughs> and speaking of watching the movie and watching the dailies, what's it like for you now to watch the film? Is it something you, you do revisit? I imagine you've seen it quite a few times, but what's it like no, for you watching the film now? For instance, like last night, I even miss seeing my new short. I was like so bummed, but it was, was it good? Yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad. I, I've only seen it like on my phone. <laughs> it's called Admonition, and hopefully we were going to change the title before because nobody knows what admonition means, guys. <laughs> I, I, I and you know how many times I said to them, "Got to change the title," and I came up with the greatest title: "Hear Me." Ooh, Ooh. You would remember that, right? Yeah. They were guys. <laughs> they didn't listen. By the time they realized I was correct, it had already been getting into film festivals, and it was too late to change it at that point. But we'll see what happens. Uh, but yeah, I'm glad that was, uh, that was good. No, I haven't seen Friday the 13th in a long time. And uh, I... I was thinking I, I, you know, I'd see the last 20 minutes last night, but we were having too good a time having dinner with the, the ladies that uh, organize Idaho Horror Film Festival, Molly and Susan, and, uh, you know, I figured I'd see the films next time. <laughs> and so speaking of admonition, we saw that last night. We were both surprised by it, and it was terrific, and it kind of represents you getting back into the, the world of film, which you were kind of out of on the, the you know, proper acting for a little bit, I think, doing a lot of voice acting work. So what brought you back into the film world? Crystal Lake Memories, the Bible. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I call yeah. it the Bible. It's about three inches thick. Uh, Peter Brackey wrote it back in 2003. He unearthed me and uh, because I had a stalker back early on after the movie Friday the 13th first came out when there were no stalking laws. Uh, just because uh, it, it affected me more seriously than I had thought. Yeah. Um, I went into voiceovers and looping, and that was fabulous. I mean, you know, it was really, but I didn't realize how much, how much I actually missed on camera until I had an opportunity to go back to it, um, which was uh, a film called Walking Distance, which was then changed to Paranormal Activity, which then was picked up by Lionsgate and edited to death and made no sense whatsoever. <laughs> so uh, again, you know, I take, <clears throat> we had the perfect storm in Friday the 13th. And at that time, I didn't realize how incredible all the elements, getting them all right and all together at the same time. It doesn't happen 
except for once in a blue moon. Yeah, kind of lightning in a bottle. Exactly. Yeah. We just had all the best of talents, Tom Savini with the special effects that still That's hold up to this day. God, and he would invite me into his studio and I get to see how the, the magic worked with him. And, uh, and then Harry Manfredini, the music uh, maestro uh, on that score. I think he should have been nominated, uh, I don't know, uh, for an Academy Award. I really yeah. do. The score was, uh, is, that score, watch the movie without the music, it doesn't work, you know? That, yeah. That, that whole ending is uh, what pulls you in, is the music. You know, you, you go, ah, it's, it's over, we can rest now. Um, I, I often tell the story that I got to see the, the screening, uh, I was invited to the screening uh, for Paramount and Warner Brothers were uh, the distributors. And we were trying to sell the movie at the time, and it was midwinter <clears throat> in New York City. And they'd already done the editing, I mean, super fast, and did the post and got it through. And uh, they, uh, I asked, can, my, can I invite my mom? And he said, sure, sure. So uh, it, we're sitting in like the second row, and the guys are like, uh, it was a small screening room, eight rows behind us. And, um, you know, the, the, uh, the Monopoly, the strip Monopoly scene, of course, my mother gets very nervous <laughs> and then um, the, the door opens and she's like oh, and then the, the, we're getting to the end and Harry Manfredini's music is lulling her into believing that the movie's over so she reaches for her coat and she starts and I'm like ah, wait you know like calm down and she's oh. thinking the movie was over and boom she goes flying up into the air, screams, and this is the first time I ever realized where my scream jeans came from. <laughs> hey, Ma, good scream. Uh, sincerely, I turn around and I look to the back, and there's Sean shaking hands with Paramount on one side and Warner Brothers on the other. They split the rights. They both wanted it, so Paramount got the, uh, the domestic. Warner Brothers got uh, all foreign, worldwide uh, rights, and uh, my mother says part of it was due to her. <laughs> <laughs> Doing a good sales job. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she was a plant right from the start. Uh, you might be happy to know that uh, sitting in the theater behind us last night were a few people who had somehow never seen Friday the 13th before. How does that happen? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to figure it out. Uh, but hearing, hearing the reactions again for the first time is incredibly fun. And they, yeah, they hit the roof. Did, they, they like, did we have good screens? It was oh, great. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Yeah, I got a lot of, I'm very active on Facebook with my fans. And so I got her, uh, back to the hotel about 1.30 last night. And of course, I was so wound after getting my Trailblazer Award. Congratulations. Thank you so much. And... Um, I, I'm looking through my, my Facebook posts and private messages, and I got at least five from around the, the country. New Orleans, Columbus, Ohio, uh, maybe Boston. I'm trying to remember, but where they showed me pictures uh, of the fil you know, the audience, and every single one of them were talking about how Friday the 13th still packed the punch, and what they were proud of, because they all grew up with the movie, mm. were the new kids that hadn't seen the movie in the theater, right, on the big screen, mm. and what a delight it was to see 
the millennials, <laughs> uh, jump out of their seats when they thought they'd seen it all, right? From a, 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 an old vintage classic movie, you know, it's still, and uh, it just made my heart just go pitter-patter. I was so proud. <laughs> Love to scare new folks. Uh, one thing that's always been a good talking point about the movie is uh, the, the wardrobe at the very beginning. I guess what, uh, with... Like boots? Not, no, not particularly your wardrobe. I'm talking about uh, when you first show up at the camp and the guy has his handkerchief shorts, on. Jean oh, shorts. Oh, he needs clothing. <laughs> at the time, it was very happening. You have that's, to... That, that's my question. Is, uh, was that... That was a look. <laughs> that was a look. That, that, was, the, going... that was the sexy brawny look. Okay. And uh, at the same time, um, I had leg warmers. It didn't make it into the... Uh, <laughs> because, you know, Alice, it, it was supposed to be cold. So, But during rehearsals, uh, I had Polaroids that I would pick up because we didn't think we were going to... I personally worried that we might not finish this movie because we kept on running out of money. So uh, I'd pick up the Polaroids, and I have them on my website if you want to check them out. Uh, and it's so cute, I have leg warmers on, and you know, it's not a great look. <laughs> but it worked back then, you know? I'm, I'm thinking about bringing it back. <laughs> it all moves in cycles. Like it sure does. Again. You wait, wait long enough, and you know, it all comes back. But... Uh, yeah, it, that was the look, um, Brawny Steve Christie, you know, and uh, yeah, it, it's kind of cute to think that the only thing dated about that movie is really wardrobe. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I thought you were talking about the boots, though. We were on such a limited budget that um, I had like one change of wardrobe, mm -hmm. and they bought me a pair of boots half a size too small for me. <laughs> yeah, and so I'm like, these boots are too small. And um, it's like, well, we don't have it in the budget for another pair. <laughs> and the wardrobe lady's like stuffing socks and wearing them around, trying to stretch it out. And I'm going, it's not working. So uh, needless to say, when I went back um, for, uh, I, like we broke sometimes for weekends and I went back to New York, I actually bought my own pair of boots. <laughs> I said, I, there's no way I'm gonna make it through this movie. And believe it or not, I still have those cowboy boots. I do. This ring was in the movie, too. Oh, cool. I found all of these, all the Polaroids I was telling you about, continuity Polaroids, the notes, the 13 notes, not 12, not 14, from the night we shot that scene on the beach, I call it the, uh, the ballet of the machete. <laughs> because it was literally choreographed like a ballet, and we sh shot from the time the sun set till the time the sun rose. And Sean had these two pieces of steno paper, yellow steno paper, with notes. And uh, he crumpled them up and threw them away. And I went, oh, collage, you know, Polaroids, notes, whatever I could find. And if the movie doesn't work out, you know, uh, I'll make a collage as an artist. <laughs> so I obviously didn't have to worry about that. Mm -hmm. You know, the movie did well, <laughs> to say the least. So everything, like... All the Polaroids, my script, uh, the boots, the jewelry, all the jewelry, and those notes, everything went into a box, taped up, never saw it again, you know, mm -hmm. until we moved to Southern Oregon to retire 12 years ago, and uh, opened it up there and treasure trove of Friday the 13th memorabilia, <laughs> uncrumpled these notes, finally looked at them, and there were 13 notes. 
Um, so I made a poster for my first, my first artistic endeavor in my new studio um, for Sean, the director, and myself called Ballet du Machete, <laughs> and with pictures of, of uh, Betsy Palmer and myself. Uh, and uh, I made him a poster of mine, and it's the only piece of Friday the 13th art he has hanging on his office wall. And he was the one who said, make a limited edition poster for the fans, you know, they'll love it. Because who would have thought we'd have these notes? And there were 13 of them. I mean, what a crazy. So check my website, you'll see that too. It's, it's kind of fun for the fans, they enjoy seeing it all. And uh, I did a wrap around there and I'm not sure if I answered your question. I think you did, and another one is since moving to Oregon, you got kind of involved in the wine scene. Dude, that was um, just another blessing in the life of Friday the 13th, you know. Uh, we, we moved up there to retire, like I said, and I haven't been busier in my life because that's the year Crystal Lake Memories came out, the mm -hmm. book. And um, doing lots of conventions and all those wonderful things, re-engaging re, uh, re with my fans, and uh, we moved up to wine country and went to the various wineries in our, in our valley and fell in love with the consistently fabulous fine wines of Valley View Winery, which was the oldest family-owned winery in Southern Oregon. Unbeknownst to me, huge horror fans. <laughs> and it took them two years of going and tasting wines at the, you know, and, and uh, meeting the family, getting to know them really well, and the winemaker and one night when we were picking up our wines, uh, one of the owners said, so, how'd you like to join the family? And I'm like, okay. <laughs> sure, what does that mean? <laughs> you know? And uh, they said, well, you love our wine, we love your movies, and uh, how'd you like to run the tasting room? And we'll teach you what you don't know, but you know, I knew a lot about wine by that time. <laughs> I've always had a passion for wine. I said my three passions are acting and art, and then my third, wine. And uh, within the, the year of running the tasting room and, you know, and, uh, and just looking around, we came up with the idea of Crystal Lake Wines. And I'm going, well, I don't know if that'll work with my genre, because at that point I'm thinking more of a beer drinking crowd, right? <laughs> Wrong. We posted on Facebook, Crystal Lake Wines by Adrian King. I have a page still there. And it blew out their website. So we knew we were on to something that was uh, seven and a half years ago. We're into our seventh harvest now. Uh, for Crystal Lake Wines, strictly word of mouth. Strictly word of mouth, social media, because it's a boutique winery. I can't, they, people go, go on Shark Tank. I can't. <laughs> I can't. That would mean I'm working. <laughs> I can't let this get, and I'm very OCD, so I handle every single order that comes in for Crystal Lake Wines by myself. Nobody touches it because they know I smack them if they do. And um, I've come up with uh, Survivor Syrah and Cabin A Sauvignon, because Cabin B is almost ready. And my newest one that's coming out, we're gonna have an official uh, premiere of Campfire Pinot Noir, where we're gonna pair with s'mores. And uh, we have an event at Valley View Winery coming up the end uh, of October. And it's just been 
a, a blessing, and my own artwork is on the label. Alice is always in her canoe. Originally, she was hanging over it. Now she's toasting to the moon. Cheers. Because <laughs> life is good in, in wine country and Crystal Lake wines. And uh, the fans are loving it. And they, uh, you know, if you go onto my pages, you'll see people posting pictures like last night with the wines and toasting Friday the 13th with their Crystal Lake wines. And Mother's Day is very big for us for obvious reasons. <laughs> And uh, yeah, we've done eight weddings. Oh, wow. People who have met at conventions, you know, and uh, yeah, it's just, I call Friday the 13th the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah. And I think to your point about, you know, beer versus wine, we play a game on our show we call Beers for Fears, where we try to pair a beer we're drinking with the movie we're watching. But help us get into wine a little bit here. What wine would you recommend to pair with Friday the 13th when you're Ooh, viewing it? Yeah, it all depends what you have to eat. <laughs> Now, um, I love at this time of the year, I'm what they call a seasonal drinker, so I go into my reds when it starts getting chilly. So that's why I made the campfire Pinot Noir, because it's just the perfect, it'll go with anything. It's, and it, it does beautifully by itself, and some soft cheeses, and, and like I said, s'mores, you know? <laughs> how, how much fun can you have at a campsite? celebrating Friday the 13th, or any wonderful uh, day of the, it doesn't have to be a holiday to break open a bottle of wine. Do you know the first year what I had to do is convince my, I call my fans my happy campers. So I had to convince my campers to actually open the wine, drink the wine, order more wine, because everybody <laughs> was saving them as a memento. And I said, no, this is fine wine. And it's, uh, you know, it's just the best wine. And I sign every bottle, wrap every bottle in tissue. And uh, right now, if, uh, if you go on crystallakewines.com, you'll see I, my webmaster and I came up with, um, as a thank you to all the campers who have been so wonderful just keeping it all going so I have a place to go play uh, <laughs> during the day on weekends and uh, at the winery. Uh, it's, it's just like my way of saying thank you. We put the Polaroids uh, together in a series of four so that when you order um, four bottles you get a, a the first one and then you get the second one with four you know Polaroids from the original and I'm the only one who has them so it's 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 a, a thank you to my happy campers for loving the wine and loving everything I do I mean they're such loyal fans such loyal campers I love them and they're literally the ones who resurrected me from the dead and embraced <laughs> me when I finally shared the stalker story because without social media how is anyone to know you know, it really, uh, no, it, they actually thought I'd left them, as they said, um, because I didn't want to do horror anymore. It wasn't that at all. It was just that I wasn't able to go on screen without having an anxiety attack at the time. And it's all, my fans, actually, that first convention when I shared the story with them, even after all the therapy, I didn't realize there was still a little piece of my heart that hadn't healed. And when, when they heard the story and... You couldn't hear, I mean, it was just such, it, it was so powerful uh, that that little piece healed. And I, I owe it all to my, my fans. So we have a very special bond, and I thank them for, for really giving me back what uh, was taken from me. Because uh, there was something taken from me back then, and I never understood why, and now I do. It's because I can give back. I'm, Alice is a touchstone. For, uh, for anyone having a, 
a bad time, uh, being bullied, uh, whatever it is up against misfortune, uh, having horrible, I mean, everybody goes through something terrible growing up. Uh, the fact that we're all sitting here together, we're all survivors is the way I look at it. And I had to go through whatever I had to go through early with my stalker. The fact that I made it from hell all the way back up to a happy camper. <laughs> um, I think I, I personally, as well as Alice, uh, I'm here to be a touchstone for people and I'm here to give back and let people know um, you know, if I can do it, the next, just hold on for that next day, you can do it too. So, uh, yeah. Thank you so much. I think that's all the questions I have for you, Mark. Yeah, that's, I think that's a great place to end it. Yeah, and yeah. we're all so happy you're back. And we're yeah, me too. And we just came from a women in film panel here at the Idaho Horror uh, Film Festival. That was so empowering. I can't even begin to tell you where uh, women filmmakers uh, came together and really shared their their advice and their stories and it's it's very it's it's a very moving thing when uh, people and women can create that kind of camaraderie and that kind of harnessing of energy and I just want to thank Molly Deckard and Susan Becker and Paige and who am I forgetting Jill and Kristen because this is a very special event that they have put together for the people of Boise. And it's really a fabulous, it's, it's just a fabulous event and they wanna share it with the entire city. And this has just been a wonderful weekend and I thank you guys for just hosting, hosting uh, such a, a great film festival. Thank you so much, Adrian. We really appreciate it. It's been a blast. A bloody blast. <laughs> <laughs>so there you have it. A to Z Horror's third very special episode, an interview with the incomparable Adrian King. Huge thanks to Adrian for being gracious enough to sit down with us and chat for a little while, and another huge thanks to the fine people over at the uh, Idaho Horror Film Festival for making that happen. Um, Molly Deckard, its executive director, and Victoria, who's working with us, can't thank you two enough. Um, that was just great. Ordinarily, this would be the part of the episode where I would make some dumb joke about how we didn't learn as much as uh, the sitcom characters on whatever very special episode I played did. However, I don't think that's appropriate here, because in all seriousness, we can learn a lot and should learn a lot from Adrian's strength and perseverance. So, um, again, huge thanks to you, Adrian. Um, check back in a little later in the week. We'll be back at you with another regularly scheduled episode and a movie review. Uh, but until then, uh, grab some beers and go watch some horror movies. Have a great week, everybody.